Hi, Michelle Florendo here, and welcome to Ask a Decision Engineer. Listen in and find out how to untangle big decisions with less stress and more clarity. Today's episode is going to be an Ask Me Anything episode, where I answer questions sent by you, the listeners, about decision-making. I'd love to hear what you're wondering about decision-making. So if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show, head over to askadecisionengineer.com and leave me a message. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. This is Christopher from New York. This is Hannah from Melbourne, Australia. My name is Tomas, and I live in Dublin in Ireland. I'm Aga from Warsaw, Poland. And my question for you is... My question is... I am wondering... I'd really love to know... I have a question for you. Today's question is super important given the nature of current events. Hi, Michelle. This is Daniela Mosto from Akron, Ohio. I was wondering, what's your take on how organizations should approach decision-making in the wake of a renewed visibility of structural racism? Daniela, thank you so much for your question. It's been about a month since the killing of George Floyd sparked protests across the United States and around the world, protesting just how prevalent systemic racism is in the world today. And in my little corner of the world, where I mostly work with professionals in corporate spaces, I have been thinking about how is it that my work might be applied to promote more racial equity in these organizations. The Center for Social Inclusion talks about how racial equity is about applying justice and a little bit of common sense to a system that's been out of balance. When a system is out of balance, people of color feel the impacts most acutely, but to be clear, an imbalanced system makes all of us pay. I'm still thinking about the ways that my work can promote more racial equity, but what I've come up with so far really centers on those three components of any decision. What are your objectives? What are your options and what information are you gathering on how those two intersect? All decisions start with your objectives. What is it that matters to you in the outcome? And when it comes to organizations thinking about what they can do in this area of decision-making, there are three things to think about. One, how is it that you can make the implicit more explicit when it comes to your organization's objectives? Two, How is it that you are thinking about what your priorities are among the objectives that you've defined? And three, what are the livable ranges you've specified for each one of these objectives? The first step in making better decisions by focusing on objectives is really to make the implicit explicit. Think about it. When you don't articulate what your objectives really are, it becomes difficult to ensure that your decisions are aligned with what really matters. Now more than ever, consumers are pressuring companies to really look at making an impact beyond their economic profit and examine how is it that they're making an impact on people and planet as well. The idea of businesses examining their impact on profit, people, and planet is called the triple bottom line. So instead of just purely focusing on the economic bottom line, articulating your goals and objectives around profit, people, and planet can help an organization really focus on how their decisions are impacting all three, as opposed to just the dollars and cents. 
after an organization has made the implicit explicit and has articulated what are their objectives, what really matters to them when it comes to decision making, it becomes time to also assess where do your priorities lie? You can have a laundry list of all of the things that you would like to see in outcomes, but where the rubber hits the road is where you decide what is it that you are willing to give up and what are the trade-offs you are willing to make in order to achieve certain objectives. For all of those companies who a month ago put up black squares in their social media feeds, I want to know what is it that you are going to deprioritize in order to make racial equity a true commitment for your organization. Ben & Jerry's, the ice cream company, issued one of the most comprehensive statements in support of Black Lives and in support of the anti-racism movement of any corporate entity I've seen. Naturally, there was a segment of their consumer base who disagreed with their statement, but this really showed just how much of commitment Ben & Jerry's was willing to show in order to promote racial equity. They were willing to deal with backlash from part of their consumer base and even lose a few customers in order to make a stand for what they felt was right. Once you've made the implicit explicit and articulated what your objectives are and have sorted through those objectives to identify which ones are higher priority and what are the trade-offs you would be willing to make in order to achieve those objectives, it now comes time to define what are the livable ranges for those objectives that really matter. Defining a livable or tolerable range for your objective is really simply digging into the specifics of what it looks like to meet that objective. For example, in the retail space, there's been a call for the 15% pledge. The premise is that Black people in the U.S. make up nearly 15% of the population, and so the people calling for this pledge are calling on major retailers to commit a minimum of 15% of their shelf to Black-owned businesses. Sephora was one of the first major retailers to sign on to this pledge and thus has defined their livable range for representation on shelves to be one that reflects the representation of the population of the U.S. Once you've taken time to really look into your objectives, making the implicit explicit, figuring out your priorities and defining those livable or tolerable ranges, then you can move on to looking at options. In the corporate world, because the status quo is what is not working when it comes to racial equity, it becomes even more important to make a concerted effort to go beyond the obvious options to drum up additional ones. When it comes to the options piece of decisions, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is simply believing that the obvious options are the only ones that you have. And yet, it's amazing how often people take this stance. Taking this stance of not putting the additional effort to drum up options beyond the obvious keeps you within a limited range of what's possible. So let's look at what this might look like in practice with respect to racial equity. One area that would benefit from this broadening of options beyond the obvious is in succession planning. On one hand, it may seem natural that a leader would have someone in mind that they've already been grooming and mentoring to take their place. The problem is, more likely than not, that person who is being groomed and mentored by the senior leader is of the same race and gender as that senior leader. And so what happens is, 
when it becomes time to make the decision of who should take that leadership spot, if the only people you are considering are the obvious choices on the table or the ones who have already been in the loop, you run the risk of maintaining that status quo of lack of representation in senior leadership in corporate America. One way to combat that is to intentionally enact policies that force a broadening of options. One example of this is the Rooney Rule. The Rooney Rule was a rule adopted by the National Football League in an effort to improve representation among senior leadership in football teams. When it became time to hire a head coach, the Rooney Rule stated that instead of just going with the obvious options, management had to bring in at least one candidate who was a minority. It did not dictate whether that person had to be hired, but at least it made an effort to broaden the option set. There's also research that supports the benefits of broadening one's options. Ohio State University researcher Paul Nutt had run a study where he examined the decisions made at the executive level at a number of different companies. What he found was that when you only consider two options, your results will be favorable only about half the time. But if you broaden your options beyond just those first two, the chances that the outcome will be favorable go up to two thirds. In some cases, when I've seen companies called out for the lack of representation in their senior leadership and boards, I've heard the response, well, we don't really know where to find any qualified candidates. There's a pipeline problem. Well, I can tell you, if you know of a company that is arguing that there is a pipeline problem, tell them that they can partner with an organization like Management Leadership for Tomorrow. Management Leadership for Tomorrow is a nonprofit organization that is building the pipeline of Black, Latinx, and Native American senior leaders in corporate America. They have a multifaceted approach that targets professionals and supports them at various inflection points in their career. So again, even if you don't have any obvious candidates on the table for senior leadership, put the effort into doing a little digging, and I promise you'll find them. All right. We've talked about objectives, we've talked about options. Now it's time to talk about information, that third component of any decision. When it comes to information and decision-making, the information I'm talking about is what information do you have on how each one of the options you're entertaining may deliver against the objectives that you've defined. The first thing that I wanna acknowledge is that when it comes to information or the lack thereof, there are two different things that could be going on. There are uncertainties where you couldn't possibly know the outcome before it happens, kind of like the weather. You won't really know whether it's gonna rain until it does. And then there are unknowns, which are researchable. And so that's where you may not have the information currently on how a consumer may respond or how your employees may respond, but it is something that you could, with a little bit of effort, do some research in. For the purpose of this conversation, when it comes to information in decision-making as it pertains to racial equity, what I'm gonna focus on are those unknowns, the places where you could find some answers or some clarity if you were to do the right research. And here, this is where it's important to think about for the things that are researchable, where is that information coming from? How diverse are your sources for that data? 
Do you have internal systems to set up and seek out diverse views? Do you have systems in place and processes that help you avoid and combat confirmation bias? Also, if you are seeking out diverse views, have you made sure that they're not just present, but that you've also built an environment where these voices are encouraged to share and are actually listened to? Too often when we're seeking out information or doing the research, we enter an echo chamber of confirmation bias, which results in skewed data and bad decisions. So in this area of information, examine how is it that you're ensuring you're sourcing from diverse voices and are making sure that you have mechanisms in place to ensure they're heard. So that's my take on what organizations should be thinking about in decision-making as they try to promote more racial equity and dismantle systemic racism. Think about those three different components of each decision. How will you be more explicit about your objectives, especially around racial equity? And how will you think through how you'll make that a priority and define what's a livable range? When it comes to options, how is it that you'll go beyond what might be the obvious options on the table to bring in more inclusive options to bear? And when it comes to information, what is it that you'll do to ensure that you're setting up systems for soliciting diverse voices and creating an environment where those voices are encouraged to share and are listened to? I truly believe that we're at a pivotal moment in this country's history, and I hold hope that individuals and organizations alike can continue to make better decisions to bring about a more racially just future for all. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you know of someone who might benefit from learning more about how to make good decisions, please send them a link to our website, askadecisionengineer.com. The website, askadecisionengineer.com, is also the place to go if you're interested in more resources on decision-making or would like to submit a question to potentially be answered on a future episode. Again, this is Michelle Florendo from Ask a Decision Engineer. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.